Hey, SPED teacher, are you struggling to connect with your diverse students? In today's episode, I am very excited to have Jocelyn Hubbard as our special guest, and we will be talking all about different ways to create community in your special education or any classroom. Jocelyn Hubbard helps teachers spark joy during the learning experience by creating an inclusive and welcoming classroom environment for all their students. She is the founder and managing director of Custom Teaching Solutions, LLC, and host of the Culture-Centered Classroom podcast. She has 17 years of experience in education as an educator, speaker, professional development creator, and facilitator. Driven by a passion to see the diverse people of our world feel welcomed, affirmed, and celebrated, she provides training on cultural competency, centering equity, and celebrating diversity in education. As a wife and mother of five, yes, I said five, her goals include squeezing in time for exercise, finding moments of joy each day, and parenting each of her children as unique individuals. Jocelyn received a Bachelor's of Science in Education from Miami University and in a Master's of Arts in Education from the University of North Carolina, Pembroke. She also has a graduate certificate in gifted and talented instruction from the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. Without further ado, I present to you Jocelyn Hubbard. Hey, special ed teachers. Welcome to Stepping into Special Education. Are you confused with writing IEPs? Need a system to track data? Are you up late Googling strategies for behavior management? Do you wake up with huge goals only to feel that you're not doing enough? Hey, I'm Michelle. I too teach special ed in a low socioeconomic community. I too wanted more connection with my special needs families. I wanted help with IEP meetings and needed more training with behaviors. And I kept asking myself, am I even doing a good job? Until I finally found the right strategies and support. In this podcast, you will find guidance with IEPs, behavior strategies, and SPED support so that you will know you've made an impact. So grab your iced coffee, clipboard, and your favorite pen. It is time to get things started. Hey, special ed teachers. I am so excited to have a special guest on today's episode. We have the amazing Jocelyn Hubbard today. Welcome, Jocelyn. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you, Michelle. I'm very excited to be on your podcast today. I am super excited as well. And I know I did give a little intro right before the episode, but in your own words, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. I believe that sharing stories, like our own stories, is very important. So thinking about the autobiography versus the biography, how do how do I tell my own story versus how someone else would tell my story? So thank you for allowing me to use my own words. <laughs> my name is Jocelyn Hubbard, and I've been in education for 17 years, which is it's wild to even say at this point, but it's been an incredible and interesting and challenging journey as I know it has been for many educators. My journey did not go the way that I thought it was going to go at all by any stretch of the imagination. But I started out as a classroom teacher, teaching seventh and eighth grade language arts, social studies in Ohio, in North Carolina, 
And then I kind of shifted out of the classroom after I got married and had my first child, my husband's job moved us to another state. And I said, how long are we going to be in the state? He said, I don't know. So I decided I would be a stay-at-home mom for a little bit. And that was a very interesting part of my journey. I think it gave me some really good perspective about how a caregiver is viewing an educator and the way that you want to engage with caregivers as a teacher. So that was a really unique piece of a kind of like a tool that added to my to my bag of understanding and my perspective. Mm-hmm. But I realized that I just couldn't stay away from formal education. And so I interviewed for a job with a local educational consulting firm because I was living in St. Louis at the time. So one there, but then I also interviewed with Scholastic. And in the long run, I decided to go with Scholastic. And that was a really cool opportunity that gave me this additional lens because I never saw myself being outside of the classroom and impacting education in that way. But working for Scholastic was so cool because I got to work with teachers in three different states at the time. I got to lead professional development. I got to partner with teachers and sit shoulder to shoulder with them. And I realized this is what is missing. I mean, I had some amazing mentors in education when I was in the classroom, but they were stretched so thin. Mm -hmm. They didn't really have the time to sit with me and talk me through a lot of the things on a consistent basis. And so what I loved about working with Scholastic was that I had the opportunity to coach teachers and to see how powerful and how valuable it was. So while I was working with uh, a school in Missouri, I well, so let me back up. I was working with St. Louis Public Schools with Scholastic and I, I went in there to a middle school one day and the teacher stopped me before I even got into the classroom. And she said, Justin, I need you to talk to my kids. And I'm like, I mean, like I literally don't, I've never been in your school before. I trained the teachers, but now I was coming in for coaching and observations. She's <laughs> like, I know, I hear you, but like, I need you to talk to my kids. They are, they're scared. They are angry. They're frustrated. And I don't feel like I can support them in the right way. And I'm like, okay, so why was she asking me this? Well, this was a couple of days after Mike Brown was murdered in Ferguson, Missouri, by police officers. And the students were, of course, they were they were confused and they were angry, as they should be. And this teacher, she was a white identifying woman. And I think that she just felt that she had not built that space, that 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 trust with her students. And she wasn't equipped with the tools to be able to have a conversation in this way. But thinking back on that, there was also not this understanding that, hey, I'm a Black woman. I've got a son. Like, what is my trauma lens? But, you know, I stepped in. I did. I talked with her students. And we did have a dynamic conversation because it wasn't like that was the first time I had conversations like that with kids, right? I was a classroom teacher. I taught students who um, identify as Black, who identify as Mexican-American, who identify as um, a few that were that identified as white, but mostly majority of my student population when I first started teaching are members of the Lumbee Native American tribe. So there were a lot of interesting conversations that we had, you know? And so I spent that time coaching her around having complex conversations and around understanding cultural identity and racial, uh, you know, systematic 
understandings of, you know, all of that in education. And, and so it was a, a great conversation, but I started to notice that there was a, a gap in education that while we were taught a lot about teaching, we weren't really taught how to teach. Although we were given a lot of numbers around, oh, these are the quote, diverse populations and oh, these are the quote, minority students. Hmm. Okay. So how does your lens and your understanding impact the way that you're even viewing these students, the fact that you're calling them diverse, the fact that you're calling them a minority population? <laughs> how does that then impact your, your whole energy as a teacher? And so in 2015, after talking with my, with my mother several times, I decided that I wanted to step out on my own and yeah. to, to start my own educational consulting. And so I, I started custom teaching solutions so that I could design and facilitate the type of professional development for schools and for districts that would allow teachers to be brave, that would allow them to have conversations in a space where they knew they were safe, even though they might feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. and where I could coach them. And allow them to be vulnerable and to share the spaces where they were scared, the spaces where they wanted to be brave, and to help them to understand the ways to effectively do this, even though they might feel uncomfortable, even though they might not know all of the right words to say. And so that's what I do now. Now I work with schools and districts across the country, and I lead workshops, and I do professional development, and I you know, I do keynote speaking and I coach their, their teachers and it is, it is my honor. Like it is my honor. And I am always humbled by the opportunity to partner with schools, whether it's with their teachers or with their principals, with their, with their superintendents, right? With their district leaders to have these very powerful conversations and shift the narrative around the importance of cultural excellence and centering equity in your learning spaces. That was amazing, Jocelyn. You come with so much knowledge. I mean, just number one, being a being a middle school teacher. Period. I give you so much props for that. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> do it. I can't do it. So thank you so much for that. You got a place in heaven for sure because of that. But you know, just your background, everyone. I am so excited for this conversation, you guys, because she also has a background in um, working for Scholastic. And uh, But of course, the most important thing is that you're bringing these hard conversations, you know, into school districts that a lot of people don't really talk about. You know, us here as teachers, we're always learning about the latest language arts curriculum or the latest, you know, math curriculum. But when it comes down to it, it's who is actually in our classrooms right yeah. here. And then, and all the current events that are happening, especially the past few years, right? Jocelyn has been so impactful on everyone, you know, you guys. And, um, you know, I have, Jocelyn knows, you know, that this podcast um, is about special education and the children that we have in our classrooms have so many different disabilities and also come with a mix of cultural and diverse backgrounds. I know for myself, you know, 
I was born and raised in Hawaii. Um, I was around Filipino Americans and then also um, Pacific Islanders. And then I actually moved to Portland, Oregon. And that was a completely different story. You know, I actually was the minority. (laughs) That was new for me. And then I missed the sunshine. So I came, I moved back down to California. (laughs) But, you know, living in the greater of Los Angeles and then me going back to school and then wanting to become a teacher the majority of the kids that are in my classroom come from the Latino American or African-American descent, right? So from a person that has not been around a lot of Latinos or African-Americans that much, it it was a learning curve for me. And of course, I've had, I have diverse friends and everything like that growing up, but it's a different story. And I'm fortunate enough to grow up around people that are diverse and everything, but not everyone else, you know, just like how you were talking about. And I applaud that woman that you were talking to that recognized that, hey, I am not the person to talk to my students after that. Is it Mike Brown, right? That Mike Mm -hmm. Brown incident, you know, she knew that and uh, applaud to her, you know, for just recognizing that. So this is the whole reason why you guys that I wanted to bring um, Jocelyn here into this conversation and in this episode, because I would love for her to teach us how to create that connection with our students that come from different, you know, cultural backgrounds and also just having different diverse um, abilities and disabilities. So to start things off, which we kind of did already, Jocelyn, (laughs) but I wanted to kind of like get down to the basics mostly, right? And I'm still learning about it every single day. So what is, if you could explain to all of us, what is equity? Great question. And I'm not going to answer it first <laughs> because I, I want to, to really set this conversation up. When we're thinking about any of our students, but in particular, our students that are part of the special education program, the curriculum oftentimes or the interventions are the focus, as you said, but the focus <laughs> Yes, there are better and worse interventions and curriculums, but we don't always have control over what is put in front of us as far as the curriculum that our school buys and the intervention programs and all of that. But what we do always have control over is ourselves and the way that we approach our students and the way that we approach the space. So I will say that there are three things that always say that you have control over. The first is developing yourself as a culturally competent educator. Mm. And what that means is that you are becoming aware of your own identity, your own culture. Because the reason why I would like, I put up air quotes when you say, oh, I have diverse students. Okay, but you know what? You're diverse too. And if Mm. like for me, my black is not the same as the next person's black. So I'm diverse from another person who identifies black, you know? So basically- Understanding who you are and how you show up. What are your values? What are your beliefs? What are your traditions? And then learning about other beliefs and traditions, namely the ones of the students that are in your classroom. I do not care if you have a group of students who identify all the same way racially. They do not all have the same parents, grandparents, foster parents, step parents, cousins. They don't live like they are coming, even though they may all have the same color skin. Mm-hmm. with so much that impacts them. So learning about who they are and their culture and their beliefs and values, and then taking that 
and helping them to become aware of it too. You have complete control over what you do for your own reflective practice. And that is going to impact the way that you view the curriculum. That's going to, inter- that, that, that's going to impact the way that you view the intervention programs that you are using and strategies that you are using with your students. Because now you're saying, ooh, oh my gosh, like I'm bringing this value, but I know that my child, like my student does not value this very same thing or this very same story. So how can I couple it with something else that they do value? So that's the first thing. And then once you are aware of that, then you can really shift into understanding equity and expanding your definition of equity and teaching through an equity lens. But you cannot do that effectively until you are aware of who you are. And oh my gosh, I'm going to say this this word that makes people nervous, but your biases. We mm-hmm. all have them. We have to acknowledge them. Like I have bias as a black woman. I do. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I have them. Mm-hmm. So when people tell me, oh my gosh, like, no, no, I love everyone. Cool. Me too. But I still have bias against people. Like, <laughs> so thinking about equity, I love to pull definitions from these two different organizations. One is the national equity. Their definition of educational equity is that it means that each child receives what they need to develop their full academic and social potential. What a child needs. That means we have to step back and say, what do I think they need and what do they actually need? Because those can be two very different things. All right. And then there's another definition I like to pull from the Rand Corporation and their definition of educational equity is fair and just access to the support and resources necessary to achieve a student's full academic and social potential. So I love how they weave in that support and resources in addition to kind of what the National uh, Equity Project says. So then once you're thinking through this equity lens, the very last thing that you have control over is authentically celebrating diversity because it is because of our different gifts and talents that we can be a strong, unified body in education. Sometimes people are like, we're, oh no, we're focusing too much on our differences and that, that's separating us. Well, guess what? You're doing it wrong then. I'm sorry. I just, you know, sorry, not sorry. You're doing it wrong. The reason why I need to identify my differences is because then I'm identifying my individual strengths and then I know who I can partner with and how I can partner with you so that we can have a greater impact. Right? Right, right. Yeah, Jocelyn, that was really good because right away, you know, even for myself, you know, you assume, okay, I'm in a classroom full of Latino Americans. Let me go ahead and bring, you know, these cultural stuff in and everything, but then not even backing it up and then realizing, hold up, hold on, what, who am I? You know, I didn't really think about it that way. And that was really strong when you said, you know, um, you know, you being a black woman, you know, your experiences are different from another black woman. And that is so true. Cause even just, you know, bringing it back to myself again, but, you know, just realizing me being Filipino American, there's Filipino people that grew up in the Philippines. There's Filipino people that grew up in Hawaii. Some that grew up in California, we are all different. So that is so important. And then that's such a good realization that, you know, we have to understand who we are first 
you know, understand where we come from, understand our biases, like you were saying, where it all came from before we can even embrace anybody else within our own classroom and, you know, learn more. So I love that. Jocelyn, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. I, when I'm working with special education teachers and intervention specialists, because I do, I, I coach K-12. Okay. And really pre-K-12. I've, I've worked with, with teachers that, that teach infants as well, because this, this lens is applicable for every, everyone. But when I'm working with intervention specialists and when I'm working with special education teachers, I really like to start with that cultural competence piece because you are using strategies to help this child become a better reader, a better writer, a better mathematician. But do they see themselves as a mathematician, as a reader? And also unconsciously, I'm not, this is not a space for judgment, it's a space for awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Unconsciously, are we using words that might be making them feel like they're not a reader? Mm. Or are we unconsciously using words that are, that are really affirming them? So that's why it's important for us to reflect for ourselves because we want to know what we need to elevate, what we need to amplify in our own practice. And if you're not reflecting on it, you're not going to know what to amplify. And then also thinking about the things that we need to take out. But I want you to build up the identity of your student. Because yes, many times all they see themselves as is a special education student. All they see is their their disabilities, Mm -hmm. not their unique abilities, not that they have this very unique lens through which they are viewing the world, that they have a voice and a perspective that's going to add a richness to the school. I want you to see yourself as a culture add and not be so concerned about how you don't fit in. And so that's always my encouragement to special education teachers and intervention specialists. Build up the identity of this child because the label that they've been given is special education child, is, is someone with an IEP, a 504. And okay, well, how do we need to, you know, to, to fix this child? Oh, come on. They are, they are a whole person. Right. They are more than just that label that we've given them. And that's why I talked about at the beginning, the autobiography versus the biography. Tell me who you are. Write your own story. Right. And then just giving the students their own platform to be like, oh, where, where did I come from? You know, making them think too. And, you know, majority of the classes I've taught are Latino Americans and since they see everybody that kind of looks the same as them, then they just assume, you know, the thing that they want to focus more on is, like you said, the um, the disability that we've given them and the label. And I have seen, unfortunately, I've taught kinder through fifth grade in like a combo of classes. And the upper grade kids, when they come to me later on, they have such low self-esteem, you know, when they first come in and it breaks my heart. Like I have to totally start from the bottom to bring them back up again. Right. And, and it's so true. It's so true. So yeah. And then, so I know Jocelyn, you were saying first, I, they need to, we need to identify um, ourselves and then identify the student. And then there's a third part, didn't you say? Yeah. Helping the, helping the students to identify themselves because cultural competence is, yeah, it's, it's like these, these three pieces. Start with yourself. Who are you? Learning about others, and then 
figuring out how to help your students learn about themselves. So one of the best ways that I encourage teachers to, to do this, it is something that is free. <laughs> it is something that is, that I would say that it's simple. And I'm not, I'm not going to ever say that something is easy because I don't know what your, you know, what your understanding of easy is, but it, it's simple. I encourage teachers to use three anchor questions. The first one is as they, well, I encourage them to use these anchor questions as they are designing lessons, as they are looking at the curriculum in front of them, and then also to to present these questions to their students. And many times teachers say, oh, my, my students can't answer that question. I said, how do you know? You haven't asked. And also we have to be building a capacity for learning and discovery and knowledge. So the more you ask, the more time you're giving them to think about it the more they're going to actually have an answer. So the, the three questions are, what are my students learning about themselves in this lesson? How are they becoming more aware of their perspective, their beliefs, their biases, their gaps in understanding and knowledge? Because why else are we learning? Like students need to, like they should be a part of the process and the learning journey. So I need mm -hmm. to help them become aware of who they are and what they're believing, because they are bringing that lens to, to this journey. Let me give a, an example of how I've used that question. So I was reading a book with some of my middle schoolers called The Breadwinner. And, and at the end, they had to do a wrap-up project. I said, you can you know, write an essay, you can do a number of things, but I want you to address one of these three questions. And so one of the children brought this very first question. And he said, what I learned about myself is that I don't know very much about people living in the Middle East. I never even thought about children that are living over there. I never thought that there are kids that are my same age that just want to have fun, mm. that just want to be kids. And so reading this book helped me to understand. And, and you know what? So this group of, of students that I was working with, this was during the pandemic. And so I was working with a group of homeschool students and the majority of them were quote unquote, special education students had dyslexia, had dysgraphia. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is coming from a group of students that would have been labeled as special education students. And they were still able to answer this question, have deep insight. Okay. Right. So that very first question, what are my students learning about themselves? and even to ask them that. Then the second question is, what are they learning about their peers? And not just the people in their classroom, but think about your, your larger community, the state, the nation, the world, because we really need to be thinking globally and developing global learners. So what are my students learning about their peers? How are we having discussion in a way that they can hear the differing perspectives, the differing gifts, the different geniuses that their classmates and that people that are their peers around the world are contributing to this very same conversation. And that can be a challenge to build that capacity with your students, but even just asking a simple exit ticket question. What really cool thing did you learn from listening to the conversation that we've had today? What did you learn about some of your classmates? I've had teachers use that and they're like, oh my gosh, Jocelyn, it was a game changer. I never even thought to specific because and if you tell them before and say, hey, mm. at the end of class today, I mm. want you to share 
something really cool that you learned from listening to your classmates. Now you've given them a purpose for listening and learning to them. Mm-hmm. We're building up that communicative skill. So the first question is, what are my students learning about themselves? The mm-hmm. second question is, what are they learning about their peers? And then the third question is, what are they learning about the world around them? How are we making every lesson relevant to who they hope to become in the future? How they hope to have an impact in this world? And if we're not connecting it to the world around us and how this works, why am I learning this thing? Why do I care? Because it's going to help you to navigate the world. It's going to help you to engage in this world. And again, what are we doing here? What is the purpose? Mm-hmm. So those are my are my three questions that I encourage teachers to use as they're helping to develop their students' identity. And those questions also encourage you to have an equity lens because you have to think about the uniquenesses of your students and what does this child need in order to be able to answer this very, very important question or set of questions. And it allows me to celebrate diversity because everyone's going to have a different perspective. Everyone's going to have a different answer. So you see, it's like all of these things go together, mm-hmm. but we have to start by thinking about our identity first, and then we can build in these other practices. Perfect. Yeah. And actually coming from the elementary background, uh, with using those three questions that you were talking about, I'm automatically already thinking of like all these different ideas of like, how can I turn that into a lesson? How can I turn this into a lesson? And then, so which brings me back to which brings me to my next question of like, what type of examples can we use, right? To celebrate the diversity in the classroom, which you've been answering, but just thinking just that first question of, you know, how can they identify themselves in their own, you know, um, their own background. So now I'm thinking elementary wise, maybe doing like a family tree or something, you know, something like that, some type of family project, you know, that the student can ask when they go home and just like some type of like unique story, maybe like a write-up, even, um, I don't know, what other the other examples, Jocelyn, do you have that you think would be good for elementary students? I love the idea of doing a family tree. I just always want to caution educators to think about family dynamic, which is one of our lenses. So when I'm, when I'm training teachers, we think about our cultural identity markers, which are our lenses through which we view the world, language, family dynamic, race, religion, socioeconomic status, right? All of these things impact the way that we view the world and our learning experience, uh, the experience that we have in the classroom. So when we're thinking about building out our identity, I'm not saying that there's not value in creating a family tree. There is, but just make sure that you've collected enough information about the dynamics of the families of the students in your classroom because they may not be able to go home and ask questions like that for whatever reason, not because they don't have a mother or a father at home, but because maybe mom and dad are working second or third shift and they are exhausted. And when they get them up in the morning, there's really just enough time for that parent to love on that child, to make them breakfast and to get them up. You know, so I'm I'm always trying to to think about that. Again, not that there's not value in asking questions because there is, you just want to make sure that you're aware of the the dynamics to, to the best of your ability. So one of the activities that, I actually just shared in a workshop on Wednesday is this idea of building out the identity and giving them a very visual experience because we have different types of learners. Some kids are kinesthetic, some are auditory, some are visual. And so we want to be able to 
to, to cater to these different learnings as well as help them to build out their identity. And so when you're, when you're beginning and you're talking about are you, I think a safe place to begin is with your content. So thinking about their identity as a reader, thinking about their identity as a writer. So maybe have them, I was, uh, I was watching a, a presentation and I, I, I hate that I cannot reference back to the person that gave me this idea because I am big on giving credit where credit is due. But I was listening to a presentation and this woman shared an activity where you do a culture hand. So you, you trace your hand oh, on a sheet that. of paper mm-hmm. and you put your name in the center. And underneath that, you could put reader, writer, thinker, mathematician, scientist, and maybe do that for elementary. Maybe do that on the board first, just put reader and have the kids share. What comes to mind when you think about somebody who reads, who enjoys reading, like who would call themselves a reader, a writer, a mathematician, and then just build that out. It gives them a very finite number of, of responses that they have to give. So then that takes away some of the anxiety and the intimidation of like, well, how many answers do, does she want us to give so then you build that out and you say, okay, now I want you to think very specifically about yourself. If you are a reader, now draw your hand, put your name, put reader underneath it. Think about all the ways that you read. And that's going to, well, I hope that it would encourage you as the teacher to start to expand the definition of reading. Because reading is not just looking at the words on the page and being able to blend sounds together and then understand what the word is reading is being able to walk into a room and read the energy. Mm. Reading is also having this digital literacy, knowing how to navigate a digital space. Reading is so many things. So how are we building up this identity of our students that they are a reader? And yes, one component of reading is blending sounds. Because mm-hmm. phonemic awareness is very important, okay? Yeah. Very important. <laughs> I have in English education. I'm never going to say that that is not an important component. It is. But how are we starting to build up their, their understanding, their definition of themselves as a reader? And then putting that up on your wall. Maybe then, yeah, creating a tree and putting everyone's hands as the leaves. Look how we're all readers and how we're different types of readers. But that's going to help us because when you do partner reading, you're really strong in this area and this person is strong in this area. And so now you can, you can lean on each other and help to build each other up as readers. Just because you don't know, that's okay. Look at all the other people that do know. You can go to that person. So that also builds up this community mm-hmm. in your classroom where children can collaborate and they can they, they, they feel brave because they know that they are safe to go to a classmate and ask them for help. Because teachers like to always do the three before me. Okay, how have you built up a classroom of safety and bravery where kids feel comfortable going to someone else, not just their friends? but other children that they can go to because they see on the wall of identity that this child is really strong in this area. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's one idea. Yeah. No, that is perfect. I, even as innocent, I didn't even think about it, Jocelyn, even as innocent as what I would think as a family tree, I didn't even think about like, hey, I have kids that, you know, live with their grandparents. They don't have their parents in their lives. And that, that in itself could be such a huge trigger. You know, mm-hmm. of like, hey, I can't do this project because X, Y, and Z. You know, not even yeah. thinking about that, but definitely just bringing in just a project where the kid can do themselves, which is perfect with identifying who they are. And that is perfect. I could already see creating that as a tree, right? 
all these different colored brown hands on the, the background or on top of the tree in an elementary school classroom. I love that. That is definitely something, something that's more tactical that, you know, teachers can do tomorrow. So I love that. Absolutely. So, yeah. Thank you so much for that. And it, like, as you're, as you're having that, like having those conversations with the kids and they're naturally going to start talking to you about the things that have inspired them or influenced them to love to read in this particular way or why they don't. So that's going to give you insight into what their family dynamic is. So you may be able to build off of that and then have them do a community tree instead of a family tree Mm. because their family, like family is not always who we're born with, right? Like who it's who we choose. Mm -hmm. Family can be chosen. And I think that that is a huge part of many people's story is chosen family. So having them do this community tree where they can say, maybe I'm going to go talk to my pastor or my priest. Maybe I'm going to go talk to the lady down the street who always, you know, stops me on my way to the bus and says, Hey, how are you doing today? Let me give you some, you know, some chips, snack or whatever, like whoever their community. And these people are the ones that are helping them to identify in different ways and to build up their their identity in the way that they see it, you know? So I think that there, there, yeah. like I said, there's not, there is value in that because they need to start to see what their, how their identity has been built out. Mm-hmm. But I think starting with something that's very connected to your content area allows teachers to feel more comfortable and safe with it. And the students, cause like I've had teachers start by saying, you know, are you a reader? And the kids are like, what? No one's ever asked me that. Like, why are we doing that? Like, <laughs> I'm here to come in here and do this intervention and get out. So right. even for the kids, they've been so inundated yeah, in this system, right? So programmed, so conditioned to come in, do the work I tell them to do, and then goodbye. Right. No one's asking them the questions. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I know our time is going, <laughs> so I could talk to you forever, <laughs> Jocelyn. <laughs> and we, I probably will bring you on on another episode, just letting you know, so <laughs> to talk more deeply about this. And But also, I actually wanted to know just a couple more questions. Are there any type of like books or any type of articles that you can recommend to myself, the audience, that we could um, you know, further get into the conversation of this? Yes, there are. So I, I will say a couple of things. First is that I always keep a list of recommended books because (laughs) everyone learns in different ways. I like to to read, I like to listen and all of that. So there are a number of scholars that I would encourage you to tap into their, their writings. I do have a recommended list of books that I will share with you. Perfect. that you can share with your listeners. Um, it is bookshop.org backslash custom teaching solutions has all of the books that I recommend. Some of them are professional development books. Some of them are actually books that you can use in the classroom with your students to be able to bring in a diverse set of lenses. And they are in different lists. You can, like, it's not like everything's bumbled together. It's like, here are professional development books. Here are books for grades three through five. But some, some names that come to the top of my mind are Dr. Gloria Ladson-Billings. She has several books that she has written about creating culturally relevant classrooms and spaces and lessons. Dr. Geneva Gay, who really coined the term culturally responsive pedagogy. Mm. I would also encourage you to look at scholars like Django Paris, who talks about culturally sustaining 
pedagogies. And all of these people also have conversations about equity because you can't really talk about culture <laughs> without talking about equity. So yeah, I think that those are a couple of really great scholars to start with, Dr. Golden Muhammad. I mean, I read a lot. Textured mm-hmm. Teaching would be a great book because that author is, she also identifies as Hispanic American. And so she teaches mm-hmm. a lot about that experience as a teacher, but also as a student. And I love her work. So nice. she she really is, is kind of pushing the conversation around culturally sustaining pedagogy. So yeah, so those are some people that I would encourage you to read and to to tap into their knowledge. Then I also, of course, share resources. So I have a free resource that teachers can download around how to create a welcoming and inclusive classroom. It's kind of set up like a checklist, even though I don't like that word checklist, but it's kind of how it's set up where I share the three anchor questions that I share with you all today. I do share my recommended book list. I have a couple of other strategies that teachers can start to use almost immediately in their classroom. So teachers can grab that resource by going to customteachingsolutions.com forward slash the checklist. And those are the two places where I would say to, to start. Perfect. Perfect. And I'll make sure to go ahead and link that up in the show notes as well, if that's okay, Jocelyn. Is there anything else that I'm missing that would be really good for the audience, you know, to just think about before we, you know, end this awesome conversation? Is there something that I missed or anything like that that you can think of? Well, just to know that you can do this, that you are perfectly positioned, you are equipped. I think many times teachers feel ill-equipped, they're overwhelmed, they feel like this is, oh my gosh, one more thing that I need to add to my plate. But that's why I try to encourage starting with with the free anchor questions, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't really require much more from you. It is something that is free. (laughs) It is something that you can really see great impact with mm-hmm. by just, you know, using this one simple strategy. Of course, you know, I do have a podcast as well. It's called the mm-hmm. Culture Center Classroom Podcast. So people can listen to that and get some additional strategies for building out this type of classroom space. Perfect. Yes. I definitely wanted wanted you to share that too, Jocelyn, that she does have a podcast, a really cool podcast. And uh, where else can the audience find you, Jocelyn? I am most active on social media, on Instagram. So you can find me. My handle is at iteachcustom. I'm also really active on LinkedIn. So you can find me just by looking at my name or by looking up custom teaching solutions. Those are the two places where I'm most active on social media. And then I have my website, customteachingsolutions.com. So you can find me there. Send me a message. Perfect. I'll be sure to link all that up in the show notes as well. But thank you so much, Jocelyn. It was a pleasure, a huge pleasure having you on the show. Um, I hope to have you on again. Take care and have a great week. (laughs) Thank you, Michelle. You do the same. Thanks. Wasn't that a great conversation to get us thinking as educators of what we can do in our classroom to create more of that community and identity of our students, right? All right, if you could... I would love to know what you will start implementing in your class. Go ahead and let me know in the Facebook. You can reach it at www.facebook.com backslash groups backslash stepping into special ed and let us all know. Also, you can join me and Jocelyn at Educate and Rejuvenate. 
It is the live virtual conference for pre-K through sixth grade teachers and homeschool parents to work smarter, not harder, and live their best lives. There will be two full days of sessions that you can attend live on June 27th and 28th of 2023, plus more than 65 pre-recorded sessions. You'll soak up a wide variety of inspiration, unique teaching tips, innovative educational strategies, and mindset hacks from seasoned teachers, children's book authors, professional motivational speakers, homeschool moms, and life coaches, all from the comfort of your home. I'll be presenting five areas you must review in an IEP at the beginning of the school year. So get your tickets today. The link will be in the show notes. I really hope to see you there. All right, my friends, catch you on another episode of Stepping Into Special Education. Take care and have a great week. Hey, before you leave, if you felt this show taught you something and got you one step closer to where you want to be, please leave me a quick review and follow this podcast. It is the best thing you can do to keep the show going. Also, be sure to join my free Facebook group. You'll be able to connect with me and get support from fellow educators just like you. Remember that you do make a difference and that there's always that one student that can't wait to see you every single day. Till next time, my friend. Take care.